Good morning. Welcome, whether you join us here online or uh, as we meet for our service of worship this morning. As it says in Psalm 48, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. And in 90, Psalm 93, it says, the Lord is high and mighty and holiness adorns your house for endless days. Isn't that great that our experience of God goes on? and he keeps talking to us and he keeps us in his thoughts. This morning's reading is Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 43, and it's entitled, The Sick Woman. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. We continue um, our series of women of faith uh, from the New Testament. Um, the cards we read about in the pages of the Bible uh, are often um, held up as perfection. That's what we heard last couple of weeks. Sometimes they're held up as perfection, uh, as people that we're to aspire to, and they're seen as being absolutely perfect, but yet they're just ordinary people like you and I. God uses their struggle of faith and with life um, to draw them to himself, and he can use the same for us as we walk through our daily lives uh, as well. First week we heard about Mary and Martha. Uh, we heard that Mary creates the space, uh, the environment. Uh, she invites and receives Jesus in. Uh, and Mary's the one who uh, makes Jesus' presence known to other people. She sits in devotion um, at his feet. That the two are both and not an either or. Uh, we need both of those aspects in our lives. Last week we looked at Elizabeth, uh, the mother of John the Baptist hearing that her quiet, faithful obedience spoke volumes to the world around her. And today we look at this lady um, who is unnamed, actually. She doesn't have a name. She's simply known as the lady who bled uh, for 12 years. So before we look at her, um, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together, the opportunity to open your word, life-giving word, Lord, we know that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and giving life to each one of us. So we pray today that by your word and not my words, by your spirit, our lives will be transformed, renewed, and refreshed this day in this place, we pray. Amen. So this lady, unnamed, um, didn't have a, a name. And names are actually really important, aren't they? We've heard that before, probably. Um, your name is really important. 
Um, if somebody calls you by the wrong name, it instantly kind of makes you think, huh, right? They don't kind of know me, do they don't? Because names are things that evoke that recognition, um, that sense of knowing and being known by someone else, which is actually, actually really, really important for us as humans to be known um, by other people. Uh, sometimes that's a deep desire within us that kind of spills out and it becomes an unhealthy thing. It becomes an obsession that we become the most famous person in all of the world. And, but yet, deep down within each of us, to be known by others is something that we actually crave. And for many of us, being known by somebody else um, in our lifetime is about having one exceptionally close soulmate, if you like, a, a real sort of life partner in some description, a few really close friends, some acquaintances, and then the rest of the world. Not all of us are filled with all of the friends that social media would incline to tell us that we're supposed to have, um, or the followings that we're supposed to have. But to be known is really, really important. And as we'll see later on, this lady who had no name wasn't just unknown by name, but she was rejected by her family and by the community around her. But actually, where this story is placed um, in the text of the Gospels is really important. Um, so Lynn read today those verses that actually tell us simply about this part of the story or the account uh, of this one. But if you read that chapter 8 uh, of Luke, you will see... Um, this chapter 8? Ah, um, you, you will see that actually it's placed within a, a wider story. It's placed within the story um, of Jairus' daughter. That Jesus has had a busy um, few days. He's healed a, a man who is possessed by demons. He's calmed the storm. He's heard that his cousin John the Baptist has been beheaded. He's fed the 5,000. And the crowd come around him and they say, Lord, Savior, Master, Rabbi, the, 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 there, there's someone whose daughter is unwell and he wants you to come and visit them. And in verse 40, it says, Now, whenever Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So Jesus, after all of the busyness, goes to attend to Jairus' daughter. And then as he's on his way, Luke and actually Matthew and Mark, both, all three of them, interject this story in the midst of another story. And actually that's really significant. And we can kind of walk away over that this morning. We can read it and not think that that's significant or not see a significance in it. But that's actually really, really significant. Um, if you want to highlight something today, what, what do you do? You, you get out a, a highlighter. Uh, a pink one, or a yellow one, or a blue one, and you, you, you highlight the words that you've written. Uh, if you're typing it, you scroll across it with your mouse, and you click highlight, and it jumps off the screen. You make it bold or whatever. This is the Gospels writer's way of saying this is really important. They interject a story in the middle of another story so that the one story tops and tails the other. So what they're actually saying to the readers is the story that you're reading in the middle, don't miss it. It's quite important. Yes, it sits in the context of a bigger story, but it's really, really important. And it only happens a couple of times uh, through the pages of the Gospels. 
So we know as we write it, and all three of them do it, that it must be a really important thing that Jesus wants to tell us. So she's tucked away. She doesn't have a name. And then she's tucked away in the middle of another story. As I said, Jesus had a busy few days. The feeding of the 5,000, he's taught the crowds, he's healed the sick, he's heard about John the Baptist, he's calmed the storm, and he went on his way to visit this sick girl. So surely, this woman must have just been an interruption to him. I don't know if you go about your business and you've got everything planned for that day and you have a little list maybe written. I don't really do lists that much. Somebody else in our house does. Um, sometimes I get a list. Um, but some maybe you have a list but, or maybe you just have it in your head of the things that you need to do that day. And then something else happens. And we see it as an interruption. We see it as a, a problem rather than something that's there to stop us and to make us think. And so often I think as I read this story, did Jesus just see this woman as an interruption in the middle of a busy day? Or did he stop in the middle of all of that busyness to ensure that the one who came to him received what she needed? This is an important and significant story. So as Jesus was on his way, the crowds about him crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subjected to bleeding for 12 years. And no one could heal her. For 12 years, she'd been shunned and pushed to the side. Twelve years she had sought healing from the physicians and the doctors of the day and still was unwell. And in Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 25, under the Levitical law, this is what it says that the rest of the community should do. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days as a time other than her monthly period, or a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge. Just as in the day of her period, any bed that she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean as her bed during the monthly period, and anything she sits on will be unclean as during her period. Whoever touches them will be unclean. He must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he'll be unclean until evening. She is cleansed of her discharge, she must count off seven days, and after that she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must take two doves or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the priest is to sacrifice them for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will make atonement for her before the Lord for an uncleanness within her. Ceremonially unclean for 12 years. What does that mean? She couldn't go to worship. She couldn't enter into that outer court of the temple to worship. But it's more than that. Ceremonially unclean meant that she couldn't touch anybody or be close to anybody. If anybody touched her, 
they became unclean under the law as well. Now remember, the crowds, <laughs> before we move on, the crowds, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost pricked him. Huge amount of people. A huge amount of people were following Jesus. And so whenever she approaches Jesus, she is doing something that is way beyond the dreams of anybody in her condition could even dare to dream to do. Because she should be on the outside of the city, away from the crowd. According to the law. But yet she finds herself not only standing at the edge of the city, not only at the edge of the crowd, but she now finds herself, knowing that Jesus is there, crushing and pushing and slipping through the crowd. Now, if anybody had known who she was or that she was ceremonially unclean, something much more serious would have happened to her. This lady knew that just one touch from the king would change everything. And so she was willing to sacrifice absolutely everything to ensure that she could get as close to Jesus as she possibly could. It says here that she tried to be healed by the doctors of the day and no one could. Theologians and writers would say that they probably, she probably expended all the money and all the resources that she had because after 12 long years, she was at the end of her tether. She saw a chance. Verse 44, she came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. She pushed through that crowd that was crushing Jesus, that place that she couldn't and shouldn't have been in because she knew that just one touch from him would change everything around her. And she touched the hem of his cloak. Many other times in the scriptures, actually, you hear people calling out, Son of David, Master, Rabbi. And Jesus said, what is it that you want? Do you want? I want to be healed. But she simply pushed through to touch the hem of his garment. She didn't call out to him. She didn't make a fuss around him. And yes, some of that probably was because she didn't want to let other people notice that she was there. And so in the melee of everything else, she pushes through. Her bleeding immediately stops. It's 12 long years of isolation, of being pushed to the outside. 12 long years of trying to explain to everyone around her that simply because they've come close to her or accidentally touched her that now they are ceremonially unclean and have to wait for seven days before they can go to the temple as well. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Who touched me, Jesus asked. At first sight, that seems like a kind of a, a normal question to ask. Who, who touched me? But the crowds that were around him almost pricked him. There were hundreds of people there. 
everybody was touching him. <laughs> everybody was crowding in on him. He would have been touched in multiple places within his body, but yet whenever she touches the hem of his cloak, not even his physical body, Jesus declares, who touched me? Because the power he recognizes has gone out of him. The woman owned up and came trembling. Now, that's a huge thing. That's a massive thing because in that moment, she is declaring who she is. In that moment, she is declaring that she has been the unclean lady that other people would have walked past and looked at in disbelief. So she came trembling to him. Disciples questioned Jesus. Never says, who touched me? Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. The woman saying that she could not be unnoticed came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all people, she told them why she touched him and how she had been instantly healed. The woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed. She was unnoticed for 12 years. She was pushed to the side and marginalized. But now she knows that she cannot be unnoticed anymore. Because that's what the presence of Jesus does for us. We are no longer unnoticed individuals. Just a moment ago, the thing that had held her back had been healed. And she was whole again. But that's not the crowning glory of this story. Whenever she stepped forward, trembling, she probably was expecting Jesus to scold her or to tell her off like many others would have done over those last decades. Maybe expected even to experience shame at the hand of a rabbi for her uncleanness. But what was Jesus' response? Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Daughter, your faith has made you well. This unnamed unnoticed lady is now called a daughter. A child of God. His words must have been like a dam exploding and breaking through the years of isolation to set her free. She'd been healed physically by touching the hem of his cloak now she's been healed emotionally and spiritually by being recognized and noticed by the king and called a daughter. That day hundreds of people would have brushed against Jesus 
but only one truly touches him. And since the rest were there for the fame or the popularity of following this new rabbi, this great teacher, let's go with him and see this great thing that he is going to do with Jairus' daughter. And they miss the moment of Jesus actually at work in the silence and in the interruptions of the day. Whenever he's going about his business and this interruption comes, the crowds don't even notice it. But he does. And he steps in. What the doctors couldn't do, Jesus did. What others shunned, Jesus beckoned forward. Where turmoil reigned, he brought her peace. Because just one touch from the king changes everything. I wonder this week, as we go about our daily business, Will we look for that touch from the king in the midst of the busyness and the crowding of everything else will we expect Jesus to interrupt our day and to stop and to look and say, son, daughter? To no longer be unnoticed but to be known. A little faith goes a long way. That's easier for the preacher to say than for us to believe sometimes. We just sang it. Faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. It's what the scriptures teach us. Because whenever we have faith that small, something within us changes, our perspective changes, our outlook on the circumstances around us changes, and we glance up and we look up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and everything else is put into perspective. Little faith goes a long way. We're called to live by faith. That's what we as believers, as Christians, are called to do, to live by faith, not by sight. And so if Jesus is telling us today that he is willing to interrupt our day, that he is willing to be present in our midst, why would we not look for that? If I said a really nice big steak, right in front, some of you may not like that, but you get the idea. If I said your favorite meal in front of you and took away your cutlery and reached you a straw, you'd just look up and you'd go, how am I supposed to eat that steak or that piece of fish or those vegetables with a straw? But often we go about our daily business and God has told us that we are to use faith in him to change the perspective of the things around us. But we approach it from our own angle, in our own way. And then we say, I just have no life. Where are you? What's going on? And yes, there are lots of unanswered questions in this story. But faith as small as the mustard seed can move the mountains. Just one touch from the king can change everything. Because faith is a gift that does keep on giving. And the more we use it, the more we grow. And the more we grow, the more we'll use it. And it's a cyclical thing. 
So as we go about our business this week, remember that Jesus notices who you are, that you are known by him and to him. You can be called a son or a daughter of the Most High. And even in the midst of the busyness, he steps into our interruptions to help us, to heal us, transform us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you do step in. You don't leave us wanting or waiting unnecessarily. And often when we do, the questions that arise within us can help to draw us closer to you. So in this moment, wherever it is that we find ourselves, with everything that we find crowding in around us and almost crushing us, we pray in faith that just one touch from you would change everything. And so in this moment, we lay before God the thing that we are finding the most difficult at the moment. his presence and his transforming power within that situation. Come, Lord Jesus, and be about your business within us, without us, and around us, we pray. Amen. Let's pray as we close. Now to him who is able to give us and do for us immeasurably more than all we ask, seek, or even dare to imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore.